Hello everybody, my name is Alex Marks and this is Young History, episode 44 on Mauritius. Now Mauritius is a very small island, as well as an even tinier island that's far off of its coast on the east. This country itself is located off the east coast of Madagascar, which is off the east coast of Southeast Africa. Lots of east, as you can see. And this is one of the more diverse in the way that it carries itself and its culture than the rest of Africa. Because of many reasons. One is the fact that there were no indigenous people before the Europeans actually started to settle the land. And we'll get into that whole history very quickly. I don't want to knock too much of it out now. But it's isolated from the rest of Africa. It's more developed. It's got a lot of different things. And it's actually the most densely populated country in Africa. And it is also the only African country in the world that has Hinduism as the main religion. Beyond that, it also has about 20 yearly holidays because of the fact that Hinduism, Catholicism, and Islam all make make up a really big part of the population. And the Mauritian census actually hasn't had any questions about ethnic backgrounds since about the 70s, so there isn't an exact or accurate depiction of the demographics, but it's but it's pretty widely accepted that about half the people are of Indo-Mauritian descent, which means that their ancestors came from India during the time of the British rule, as well as the fact that there are a lot of people from the Arabic region, and then beyond that, there are a mix of white people and African and mainland African descendants. And one thing that's also very unique is that this place is also one of the only places in the world, if not the only one, where the dodo bird, which was like a three-foot-tall flightless bird, indigenously lived. And that lasted until around the 16th century when the Dutch were the ones that actually hunt them away. So I'm not going to drag this on any longer because I just want to get right on into it. And this country, it's very straightforward history. It's very much like this happened, which caused this, which caused this, which got us to here. So we're going to do it as best we can. We're going to wrap it up and we're going to talk about Mauritius. So thank you all so much for being here. My name is Alex Marks. This is Young History. And this is Mauritius. So our origins begin pretty much in the Middle Ages because there were no actual indigenous people on this land, as I mentioned earlier. There was no one who came from early Africa to settle this land. There was no one who came from Arabian Peninsula, from the Arabian Peninsula in the north. There was no one who came from India. Nowhere, nobody, nothing came to this land to actually settle here for a very long time. It is believed that in the Middle Ages, though, that a lot of Arabs did sail past the land and at least circle it or stop here to establish just a place to rest before they go to trade with mainland Africa or greater eastern Oceania or the Indian Ocean. And because of this, there was actually a name for it that popped up on a lot of Arabic maps, which was the name Dina Arubi, which was already marked by the 1500s when Italian cartographers were starting to create maps of this region. And the first major European power to actually start affecting the country in any way and affecting the international view of it would be the Portuguese when Diego Fernandez arrived in 1507 and he gave the name Cerne or Ila de Cerne because that was the name of his ship which he used to sail the islands. But the Portuguese who came Fernandez and all of his crew. Nobody ever settled here. They kind of just mapped out the island for the sake of saying, hey, we discovered it. It's fun to name things because that's what explorers do. And this would pretty much be it until 1598 when the Dutch would arrive and would fully claim it in this same year. And it was very hard for them to establish an actual lasting settlement because of the climate and because of how different it was from the Netherlands and the little experience they had at this point in history. But one thing they did do was actually hunted all the dodo birds that were living here, literally to the point of extinction, so there would be no more on Mauritius, and around the same time, they would be gone from the rest of the world entirely. And they also brought sugar plantations and domestic animals, and the big thing here is that it's very widely claimed throughout different historical practices that the first place refined white sugar was produced and harvested 
was here in Mauritius because of the fact that the Dutch opened a sugar settlement, a sugar plantation, so very early in its history. It would actually be the Dutch who gave the name Mauritius to the islands because it was named after a prince, specifically Prince Maurice, who would eventually become the Prince of Orange, which was like a Dutch region of France in the 1500s and beforehand. But because of the constant struggle and lack of success in producing sugar at the time within this country, they actually abandoned the land in 1710. And it would not and it would not take long after that for the French to actually move in, who took command of the island in 1715. Once again, they started to attempt sugar sugarcane plantations again. And with this, they actually brought in slavery to the land for the first time. Because by this point in the 1700s, the slave market was huge and people were being brought from mainland Africa very frequently, both to the Western world where the Americas are and to the Eastern world where all the oceanic islands as well as this African island of Mauritius were. And they would actually build the modern capital, Port Louis, in the 1730s. And they would give the, they would give the land a new name, calling it Ile de France, which could literally just mean that they called it the island of France because it was an island belonging to France. But it could also be named after the pretty much capital province within the country of mainland France, Ile de France, which is where Paris and the Eiffel Tower is within its own country. So both names are kind of like a nod to just France in general. In general, So this name makes a lot of sense. And this rule would last until the Napoleonic Wars, which happened in the early 1800s. The island was used as a base to attack a lot of British ships, and of course the British wouldn't let this stand because for most of the 17, 18, and 1900s, the British would be the most premier navy in the world. So they would attack this island and would defeat the French here in September of 1810, and by the December of that same year, they fully took control of the island. Now, the effect the British had on this island was different than the other ones because by this point, it was already the mid-1800s, 1830s to be specific, where the movement towards slavery ending throughout the British Empire was very popular, very prominent, and becoming done throughout all of the empire, not in just in certain points or on the mainland of UK. So by 1835, slavery is fully abolished, and this led to them shifting from slaves to a different kind of slavery, which was indentured servitude, which came from India, and they actually brought Hinduism to the island for the first time because of the fact that so many Indian people were being brought in from India, and it was the region where it was not Buddhist in any way, it was Hindu. And the fact that so many Indian people were being brought in literally actually saw Gandhi himself, the guy who eventually led to the independence of India from Britain, as well as his many teachings that still seen today is very prominent. He actually came to the island to help all the Indian people that were in the country get their rights and actually get the fight, get treated better and things of that sort. And the British actually, for some reason, brought the name back of Mauritius because I guess they kind of viewed it as the indigenous name since the people who named it first and were technically the first people to live on the island were the Dutch. So Mauritius is kind of the indigenous name, even though it had names before that. But it is called Mauritius then and it is called Mauritius now. But a thing that actually happened during the British rule that was kind of a tragedy because of the end of slavery was an event that happened today at the, the Le Morne Brabant Mountain, which is a huge famous World Heritage Site today and is visited all the time in Mauritius. But the reason it gets this distinction is really sad because many slaves fled here throughout all of the slave times under the British and they would do this to avoid being recaptured and re-put into slavery by British soldiers. They would hide in the caves and up the mountain slope of this island mountain. And in 1834, in the later part of the year, a lot of slaves ran here to hide, and it would eventually come out that they were there. So people would actually go go there, and it would appear that they were going there to go and recapture them. So these slaves ran to the top of the mountain, and when these 
persecutors actually got really close. They jumped off the mountain because they said they would rather die than be slaves. These are some of the cries they were saying as they jumped off the mountain. And the tragedy is, of course, they all died. It's a couple hundred foot tall mountain. There's nothing you could do. So they all die, which is very sad. But the thing that's tragic about this is it's kind of very Roman, Romeo and Juliet-esque because these people who were coming were allegedly coming to tell the slaves that were here that slavery had ended because it was now 1835, the year in which Britain ended slavery within all of its empire. And they were actually going to tell these people that slavery was over and that they were free now and they didn't need to be in hiding anymore. And instead, these people were scared and confused and made a choice that it costed them their lives. And today, it gets to mark as a UNESCO World Heritage Site for the fact that this happened here and it acknowledges a lot of the horrors of slavery and the effects it had, even in its end. And the next major thing would happen in this country would actually be the move towards independence, which started in the 1960s because by this point, it's post-World War II. The world is really trying its best to decolonize and move away from this old and colonial empire thing that caused a lot of the major wars that killed millions of people. And the morals were now changing. Everyone's just starting to understand empires are not a good thing. And after protests and movements and a lot of parliamentary discussions and arguments back and forth, independence does come to Mauritius. That happens in 1968, and they stay within the Commonwealth. But things were very tough right after independence because things just start to line up. The first thing that happened would be a cyclone that hit the country very quickly and it actually amplified a lot of the kind of racial tensions and other struggles that were happening within Mauritius because there's just so many different people groups here that when things are bad people blame whoever's on the other side so a lot of Indians got blamed for African descendant struggle the people who were descendants of British settlers blamed every other race it's just how it was going at the time and it led to this cyclone hitting really led to tensions getting high so a lot of riots came out there was fighting there was just a lot of danger throughout the country and because of this, a new diversification plan for the economy was rolled out because the thing people were protesting about was the fact that they were poor and they were starving and there was a bunch of trouble and everyone blamed each other. So 1991 was a year that diversification, a diversification plan was rolled out for the economy. And in 1992, the country became a full-on republic, which beforehand it had kind of like a British governor representing things. Now it was a fully democratic republic with elections to happen every few years. And despite this change, there would be even more riots because the Creoles, which are kind of like the French-descendant African mixed people of this land, were the ones really suffering the most from the economic struggles because they just weren't valued right, they weren't treated right. There was just a lot of struggle. So in 1999, a lot of race riots broke out and a lot of riots against the government happened because of the fact that they were still being treated so wrong. And there's actually pretty big issues with the way people view the politics in Mauritius because there's 29 different constituencies within the country, including... Rodriguez, which is the island that's a bit off to the east. Each of these constituencies gets three parliamentary members, where Rodriguez gets two. And because of this style of election and politics, it's kind of weird the way representation works, because even if you're in a region that has 68,000 people, you still only vote in three representatives, three parliament members, I should say. And if you're in one that has 20,000, it's the same. If you're in, Re in Rodriguez that has a lot more than some of the smaller ones near the capital, you all get that three vote or if you're Rodriguez you get two so the power of each person's vote is completely different when you're going just a few miles away from each different constituent in the country so it's very weird and they feel they're the people here feel there's a big lack of true representation because of this and the fact that voting power varies so much from one place to another it's very weird but despite this, when it comes to the way the international community views the politics of Mauritius, it's actually way better than most of all Africa. For 10 straight years, it's actually voted and ranked as the 
best overall governance in Africa because of the fact that there have been a few riots and protests and accusations of corruption. They've been small enough to where the country still has elections that go off pretty much without a hitch, and there isn't huge abuses of power. It's not like there's a monarch here or anything, and there's just not any of these things. So they are viewed internationally as a pretty good place, but there still is internal struggle. They're very far from perfect. Another thing they struggled with was in the early 2000s, they struggled a lot with piracy that was hitting the country, and this became huge because of their location, they're a small island, and they're far enough away from Madagascar where a lot of pirates can come down the Horn of Africa, come from the south, come from the east, and really mess things up for them, and steal from trade ships, take down cargo ships, things of this sort. And this led to a Coast Guard being formed, as well as the fact that the EU said they would contribute to the country's protection, and this was even signed in part by the U.S. as well. So they're getting a lot of international help from their for the protection of their waters. And once piracy was pretty much stopped by the 2010s, that's when success really started to come to the country as a lot of beautification projects came out, resorts were built, and the country really started to say, okay, we're going to do two things really well, tourism and sugar. About 80% of the island of Mauritius is filled with crops that is filled with cash crops, specifically sugar, and it's grown so heavily here that it's one of the bigger producers in this region of the world. And then beyond that, the huge resorts that went up, the beauty of Mauritius, the cultural centers they made, all these things led to them being a huge tourist destination, receiving over a million visitors per year, which is within that range of being one of the most visited countries. It's kind of like there's there's sections to like what how visited a country is, kind of like brackets, and Mauritius, because of getting over a million people, puts them in that higher bracket, if not best of, especially for Africa, especially for this region of the world, because this isn't a re- region that's visited that often. And with that, that pretty much gets us to our present day, where it is one of the only countries in Africa with a very high rating on the Human Development Index because of the fact that it's so urbanized, it's densely populated, it has so many different people here, and because of how much money it brings in tourism-wise. And because of the fact that there's so much general peace in Mauritius, they have no standing army that is meant for international defense. They get this backing from foreign powers like the EU, as well as from Madagascar and other parts of Africa, that they don't need a military. And the thing that they do for law enforcement is literally just there's about 10,000 police officers that help protect the roughly 1 million people, a little over 1 million people that live in the country. And that's just how it goes. And with that, that's pretty much the country. I mean, the modern day, one thing that happened a few years ago was they had a female head of state and she got accused of using a credit card that was meant to be for traveling to climate change meetings and things of that sort. She got accused of using it to buy herself jewelry um, in the amount of roughly like $26,000, which is a lot, but that's more of a lot to us. To me, it's like she claimed that she just got a credit card confused and even before she stepped down from the head of state position, she paid back all the money that was owed. So to me, it's kind of, it kind of seems aggressive because 26000 is a lot to me and you, but when you're using, I'm pretty sure it was the European Union money, which is the biggest market in the world, it's kind of like, I don't know, it just seems aggressive to like force her to step down all these things when it's very clear that she didn't attempt to get away with it. It's kind of like it happened and she's like, okay, well, here's your money. And then she has to step down. So that was the thing that happened. So currently there's different political things that are going back and forth. They had an election, I believe this year. And as it has been, there's about two families that bounce back and forth for holding power in Mauritius. But with that, that's pretty much how it goes. And I'm going to leave it how I always like to leave it, which is with a lesson or a takeaway. And with Mauritius, that is to embrace what comes. So for this country, they have seen three different major European powers take over. They've seen a couple of different visitors come in. 
they've had to interact with the entire European Union, Americans, pirates from different countries around the African region and the East Indian Ocean region. They've had to deal with all these different things, and they're still here. And honestly, they're doing a lot better than anyone else in their country of Africa. Way better, actually. And that comes from the fact that they've embraced what came to them. If it was the British, they embraced the fact that the British are going to bring this kind of culture, and they accepted the indentured servants that came, they accepted the Hinduism that came, they've accepted the religions that have come in. Anything that's happened in this country, the people have embraced it and taken it and then made solutions from there rather than try to just make everything stop. So slavery ended, they figured out how to adjust to the indentured servants coming in. That ended, they figured out how to adjust to this very big Indian population, they figured out how to adjust to life after independence, after the cyclone hit, after riots. They've done this over and over and over again, and that's how you should do your life. It's a guarantee you're going to deal with a lot of shit. You're going to have people throw things in your face. You're going to have people take advantage of you. People are going to hurt you, manipulate you, come up with a bunch of things that are crazy, and truly, that's just how it is. That's just life, and the only way to get through that is to embrace it. Embrace that these things are going to come. Don't try and avoid them. Just live your life as best you can. Be you. Do what you think is right, and Put it on a scale of your morals, your ethics, and how it's getting you towards your goals, how it affects other people. Think about these things when you're making decisions, and you're inevitably going to still have struggle and still have people take advantage of you and still have to deal with things, but just embrace that. Embrace the fact that we're all struggling, we're all going through something, we all have our ups and downs, and no matter what it is, you'll get through it. If you get through it and you embrace it and you push forward, you're going to get out of this at some point. You're going to be able to push through whatever thing you're struggling with, so just stay on it, honestly. So that's my advice from what I got from Mauritius. You take it as you like, and even better, if you just wanted to come and enjoy some history, that's that too. But either way, that is all for me. That is all for Alex Marks. And that's all for this episode. So thank you all so much for being here, and I'm going to wrap it up. So my name is Alex Marks. This is Young History, and that was Mauritius. You guys are the best. Have a good one.